Hi, this is Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm Julie Hawkeiser-Ilkovich, your host, and we're here today with Amy O'Dell, who's the editor of Cosmopolitan.com. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Our podcast is really casual conversations with compelling women. That's what we call it. We want to hear about your career and talk to you about how you got here and see what advice you have for people who want to work in media and, you know, more specifically in your industry. And really would love to hear the steps that kind of it took you to get here. So everything from what your college major was to jumping through internships, we want to hear a little bit more about like the actual path. Sure, that's easy. So I went to NYU. I moved to New York when I was 18 to go to school. And that was a really important step for me because NYU has a great journalism program. And they were really great at the time about getting people out into the world to, you know, intern and gain real world experience. And it was very clear to me when I was at NYU that my real world experience working in journalism and even editing the school paper, which I also did as a news editor for a semester and was grueling because you would be there like in the office from five until two in the morning, four nights a week, but it was really, really good experience. They made it very clear that you really needed to be out in the world and working and that your coursework was almost less important. And I I have to say, now that I'm in a position where I'm hiring people, I don't really look at GPA. I'm looking at like, where have you worked? What have you written? If you haven't worked yet and you're just graduating, I expect you to come in with good internships on your resume and great clips. So going to NYU was was a good decision for me. Working on the school paper was a great decision for me. It enabled me to get great internships, which are incredibly important for getting a job out of school. And I interned uh, at the New York Observer when it was an actual newspaper, (laughs) a salmon-colored broadsheet that came out every Wednesday. And I was there on the two slowest days of the week. So that meant that I could do things outside of the normal intern duties, which at the time was fact-checking. So the interns would go in and they would fact-check everything in the paper, which is great experience because you learn about accuracy and how to report stories. And I feel like there's a lot less fact-checking that goes on with the internet and the pace at which we work. So it's great to have that knowledge base of how to do it, how to do it well. So there weren't a lot of stories on Thursday and Friday if the paper came out Wednesday to be fact-checked. The bulk of them would come in the following week, especially Tuesday. So they were like, why don't you go through the general observer inbox? And if there's something that comes through that you want to cover, just let us know. And you can go out and maybe cover stuff. So I did. And I would go through the inbox and I would find things, um, basically red carpet events or there was a project runway casting. And I would go to that editor and I would say, hey, this is coming up. I was very scared. It wasn't like this was easy to do. But I knew that I had to do it, and, you know, the fear of failure was greater than the fear of pitching. (laughs) So I said, hey, like, can I go cover the Project Runway casting? Project Runway was, like, the bee's knees at the time. Everyone was obsessed with Project Runway. It felt, like, really new and fresh and cool. And I went out, and I did a good job, so they would send me out again. And I ended up getting a lot of articles in the party reporting section of the paper, and, and not just, like things that were really short, although I did really short, like, 50-word things, too, but, like, sizable things that were maybe, like, 500 words or 600 words, you know what I mean? So that was really important, and that enabled me to ultimately get work with New York Magazine doing the same kind of thing, going to red carpet events, interviewing celebrities, filing reports, getting clips in the magazine and on the website, and I freelanced for them after school for about a year, 
And freelancing for them enabled me to get have an in when they were looking for a blogger for The Cut, which was a fashion news blog at the time that I was there. And I was the first person to come in and kick it off and get it going. How did you actually get those freelance gigs? Like coming out of school, you had the experience, but what kind of things did you learn or what kind of tips would you give in terms of how to actually kind of steal the deal? Because I think that's the hardest Great part. Great question, yeah. So my friend was interning at New York Magazine, which killed me because it was the only place I wanted to work and I couldn't get an internship there and I applied several times. She heard that they were looking for party reporters. Like she just got an email that was sent around and she forwarded it to me and she was like, you should email the editor. So I did right away. I emailed her and I said, I've done this before. Here's some clips. Like I'd love to go out. She sent me out. You know, they don't pay these these reporters a lot of money. I don't know what they pay now, but I didn't didn't make that much money. It was like maybe 50 bucks for going out and a little bit more if they publish something. Mm -hmm. I didn't get good stuff when I went out. It was like a crappy report. And I filed it and she was like, oh, there's not much levity here. And like she didn't do anything with it. And then I was on her, I was on her list of people to email every time she needed uh, people to go out and cover stuff because they needed people to go out all the time. Like every night in New York, there's like several red carpet events that you would want a reporter at if you're a publication like New York Magazine. So she would send around emails just saying like, hey, like here's what's happening tonight. Does anyone want to go? I got one of the emails one day and I wrote her back and I was like, hey, I went out for you before and you didn't like my report, but I know I can do this and I'm good. Please send me out to this thing. So she sent me out to something and I got an item that they published in the magazine, which they don't have that section anymore. It was a front of the book section. It was just like little newsy blurbs. Much of it like derived from celebrity interviews at parties. And, you know, after I went out the second time and I got something that they published in print, which was a big deal, because a lot of their reports like don't go that far, they kept sending me out. So they would send me out and I kept doing a job and, you know, not everything you don't get something at every every party. Like not every report is gonna have like a great quote in it and that's not always your fault. Sometimes it's just like none of the celebrities on the tip sheet showed up or um, you did great interviews, but they just like were really well media trained and they didn't say anything interesting. I later found out because I befriended this editor, Jada Yuan, who is still at New York Magazine but doing a different job. I befriended her when I was working there full time and she said, you know, the reason I sent you out the second time is because you told me that you messed up the first time and I thought that was really ballsy. And to be a good party reporter, you have to be really ballsy because you're like, Going up to really famous celebrities and penthouse suites at, you know, Thompson Hotels or wherever right. you are and asking them really invasive questions. So my advice there is just, like, if you fail, don't give up. You know, like, sometimes you have to apply to places several times. Like, I did at New York Magazine. Like, I couldn't get an internship there, and I got a great job there, you know? Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think, especially in this industry, people give up after one rejection. Or also, I think the thing that you're... But I learned from your story is like asking how you could improve like that I think if you just stop after one rejection it's like well maybe what they want was something just a little bit different than what you were able to give so I mean I think that's a, le- a great lesson that we can all learn um, and how did you end up here I was at New York Magazine for four years writing for the cut and um, doing some editing and then after four years I kind of felt like I was ready for something different I loved New York Magazine it was a wonderful wonderful place to work I learned a ton there's so many smart people there Adam Moss is amazing really really smart but I just kind of felt like it was time to to do something different and see what else I could learn somewhere else and BuzzFeed came my way they reached out to me saying they were looking for someone to start a women's interest vertical and 
I ended up getting a job offer and taking the job and I was there for about a year and a half and while I was at BuzzFeed I heard from Troy Young who as president of digital for Hearst and you know he he actually was introduced to me through a professional contact and she said so someone I know is gonna email you and and ask you to take a meeting and just go in the meeting trust me like he'll explain like when you meet him so he emails me and he says hey like do you want to have breakfast tomorrow at 8 a.m.? And I'm like, not, no. not always an 8 a.m. breakfast person, but I, you know, okay, right. sure. I'm great. never an 8 a.m. breakfast So person, we had breakfast at, at 8 a.m. the next morning, and he said, what would you say if someone said, turn Cosmo into the biggest digital women's media brand in the world? You'd be publishing 100 articles a day, and you would have a huge team, and you would do a lot of video, da, da, da. and I thought that sounded awesome. So took it here I am yeah <laughs> it's been great and I've been here for it'll be three years in September oh wow does it feel like three years or <laughs> actually yeah it kind of does I feel like you're not supposed to say that like it's really fun it's really fun but I also feel like just because when you look at how far we've come it's amazing now we're in our, in our own office which is called Club Cosmo but when I started it's like we had a temporary workspace in the tower and we were all kind of like crammed into this space and just like expanding really quickly and now we're over here and the site is so much bigger yeah, we had 12 incredible. million readers now we have like 35 million a month so that's amazing yeah we've done a lot You've worked at kind of different types of companies like BuzzFeed is, was probably more of a startup when you were there and now you're obviously at Hearst which is a major media company. Do you feel like working at these different types of places has really taught you different things about navigating, you know, office politics? Do you think everything kind of led to this moment? Absolutely. Nothing can prepare you for working in a corporation except working in a corporation. BuzzFeed is a completely different work environment from Hearst in many ways. In some ways, it's not so different just you know in the sense that like we are in the Cosmo office it's an open floor plan and we all sit together and I feel like some of the barriers to management that you often find in more traditional corporations didn't exist at BuzzFeed really and they don't really exist at Hearst because Mm -hmm. of what Troy has put in place and his philosophy on, on how the company should run or how the digital business should run but a big company is very different from a startup, mm-hmm. 100% different. And I, when you're just coming out of school, you don't really have the luxury, I think, all the time of saying, like, oh, I really want to be at, like, a glossy title. Like, I want to be at Vogue or I want to be at Esquire. You know, like, that's the dream. Or, like, I really want to work at BuzzFeed. Like, you kind of have to take what you can get. But, you know, as you go through your career, I think you kind of figure out over a few years, like, do I want to work at a small company? I want to work at a, at a startup type place or do I, I want to work at like a really big company and each type of workplace has its own strengths I would say but they are very 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 different yeah so now we're going to jump into the part where we talk a little bit more about career advice these questions have come from conversations with you know professionals at all different part points of their career what people really want to learn and also things that people especially women aren't necessarily talking about we want to kind of open these conversations up but do you have any tips that you've learned along the way that really put you in a better position financially? I mean, I think everyone has a has an attitude about money that's just kind of comes from how they were brought up. I was brought up by parents who were very practical about expenditures and frugal. 
and talked about it. So, you know, I, I remember like just going shopping with my mom and I, I went into fashion, which is no surprise. Like I always wanted stuff mm-hmm. and my mom would be like, you don't need that. And I still try to approach my life like that. Like, I don't need that. Like, especially particularly with clothes, I think, especially with fast fashion, it's just, you could have an outfit every day of the week, right. but it's like, that's also expensive. And then your clothes fall apart and you throw them out and then you have a lot of crap lying around. And it's like, no one wants to live like right. that. No one wants to live in a nest of their H&M clothes that they don't actually like. But in New York, you don't even have room. Yeah, in New York, you don't have room. So I always tell people, like, be careful with how you spend money on clothes. Yeah. I think going out in New York can get expensive, too. I always contributed to my 401k for as long as I've had one. I've done that. If you don't have a 401k, start an IRA. Like, do it early. It makes a really, really big difference. It's really important to do that right away. And you also have to save money because at some point you're going to want to buy an apartment or you're going to want to buy a house. You know what I mean? And money doesn't save itself. Like, you have to actually do it and be conscientious about it. So I think that, I mean, I... I don't know that I have a specific tip. Like, it pays to be mindful. But I think that, you know, things like bring your lunch or don't buy a latte every day. It's like, those things aren't realistic for a lot of people. exactly. It takes a lot of time, if you're busy, to, like, go and, like, get groceries and make your lunch. And, like, if you live by yourself or with room, you know what I mean? It's like, you're busy. Like, you get to a point where, like, you can't ever fathom how you were bored as a child. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, once you become an adult, it's, like, it's real. Like, life is is hard. There are struggles. You have to, like, do a lot of things to take care of yourself. If your Starbucks, like, brings you joy in the morning, then, like, maybe that's a worthwhile expenditure for you. That's how I feel. It's, like, if I'm just, if I'm looking forward when my eyes open up to, like, buying a coffee, especially in the summer, like, I'm just doing that. Like, I'm going to have to figure out something else to give up. Let's talk about the fashion stuff. Obviously, you have worked in fashion. You, you know, this is a very fashionable place. What are your tips for kind of dressing for success in the workplace? So I think that, one, if you are interviewing for a fashion title, I think it's going to be important that you, particularly if it's a fashion job, I think you should look like you're interested in fashion. You know, you probably don't want to go in looking really dressed down or like you didn't with a wrinkled outfit you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. you can tell when someone is really invested in fashion in their lives and when they're not based on how they present themselves and then also you know I've definitely seen interns come through who are not dressed appropriately and dressing appropriately does not mean that you can just wear the overalls you wore to Coachella (laughs) or some like really short shorts you know like be you have to be mindful of this stuff it's easier for men there are fewer Mm -hmm. options my husband goes to work every day in the same thing. It's pants and a shirt and a belt and shoes. And sometimes there's a jacket and sometimes there's not. But for women, like, we have choices. And you want to display a sense of style and you want to, you know, look cute and trendy, if, especially if you're working in a place like Cosmo or another fashion magazine. But you don't want to look like you're going to a music festival. You mm-hmm. don't want to look like you're going to a concert because then it kind of says, like, you don't really care. I think in general, a lot of workplaces are getting a little more casual. Do you feel like people are almost taking that the wrong way? I think it's really hard. I can understand why it would be confusing because, yes, it is kind of casual. Like, you can wear jeans. You can wear... You can wear ripped jeans to Cosmo. Like, ripped jeans are really trendy right now. But there is a difference, I think, between coming in to the office in ripped jeans that are respectful and ripped jeans that... You painted your barn in over the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, ripped jeans that have rips, like, where your butt is, which is, like, a thing now. You know what I mean? Right, right. 
Like you don't just don't want to come in looking like you're going to Coachella. Right. That's and like I like anything. I like that advice. I think that's a good like what is the rule? The advice is true, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And that sounds so cliche and I hate cliches, but it really is true. It's like if you're meeting with your boss or you're meeting with the editor of the whatever brand you're at, like what do you want them to think of you? Because like a lot of the time, like you're probably dealing with an editorial assistant on a day-to-day basis or other more junior editors and the impression that people have of you is based on when they pass you when you're going to the bathroom or something you know what I mean right so I think that's also why it's important to to really carry yourself professionally and your clothes send a message right and just because something is trendy I mean talking about the ripped jeans trend I think is perfect doesn't mean it's necessarily appropriate to wear to work Totally. Right. <laughs> like, totally. <laughs> you, you need to take an extra second and think about what you're actually wearing. So we talked a lot about your career path. There were a lot of different steps along the way. Were there signs for you or even an experience that told you you were kind of on the right path? Or is that not really a thing? You just kind of worked hard and made it to the next job? I feel like I'm doing, I'm in the right industry and I'm so happy with where I am, but I think that people always kind of wonder, like, I think it's natural to wonder, like, if you are doing the right thing, and I think that the thing that you have to ask yourself is, am I happy now? Do I like what I'm doing day to day? Does, am I learning? I think the moment you stop learning is the moment you need to find something new to do. But I don't know. I don't think there really are signals. I think you have to look at it practically. But I think that's good because then you're not just like waiting around for a sign. It's kind of like you actually No, are... and you should never you should never wait around. Like whenever I'm giving people advice about anything, whether it's like men or jobs or it, it, you just can't wait around for things to happen to you. Things don't just happen to you. Like I wrote a book, Tales from the Back Row. You can you can get it now. The paperback is coming out soon. I wrote a book. I didn't wait around for someone to ask me to write a book. Like I pursued writing a book. So what was your, let's talk about your book for a little bit. What was the process of writing the book? What made you come up with the idea? Sure. So I knew I wanted to write a book and I I had the idea to write it around some of the stuff that I was kind of doing at the cut, like just funny, high fashion things. It had happened to me like an essay book, but based around the world of sort of ridiculous high fashion in New York City and what is it like to be in that world and just sort of how absurd it is. So... I ended up hearing from agents, like, they would email me saying, like, oh, have you thought about writing a book? And I'd be like, oh, yes, I have. And a lot of times agents have ideas for things that they want you to write. And I knew exactly what I wanted to write. And I had some conversations with agents. And I even started, like, writing writing the proposal. And then the agent that I had been talking to, like, left her job. And I was like, shit, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I ended up hearing from another editor, an editor at uh, Simon & Schuster, who did end up publishing my book. She asked me if I had ever thought of writing anything, and I told her what I wanted to do, and she was like, oh, this sounds great. She ended up setting me up with my agent, who is amazing, and I did get to do the book. But, you know, you have to really pursue it. No one came to me and said, do you want to write a book of funny essays about fashion? Because, like, people wanted me to do other stuff. Like, one of the ideas is, like, write something about Kate Middleton and... Someone wanted me to do a tell-all and talk about, like, Terry Richardson. I'm like, I don't have anything to say about Terry Richardson. <laughs> Not a book's worth. Like, yes, there are rumors about Terry Richardson on the internet, but it's like, I don't, that doesn't really have anything to do with my experience in, in fashion and in media, and that's not what I want to write about. So it took me a while to find the right people, but 
you know, like, you just have to work at things. Like, things don't fall into your lap. Like, if you want a new job, like, email people you know and say, do you know of any jobs? Like, go look at job boards and look for things to apply. Like, things don't just fall into your lap. Mm-hmm. I think that's such good advice. We often say looking for a job is a full-time job. Like, it does take work. For sure. And it's so easy to just get so frustrated. And you should expect it to take six months. Yeah. Minimum. I mean, by the time Minimum. you get, yeah, 100%. So part of our show is that we ask the women that we're interviewing kind of classically annoying interview questions. Like, the questions that no one wants to answer, but you're going to get at every interview and that you should always be prepared for. So the first one is, where do you see yourself five years from now? Five years from now, I see myself running a very large women's media brand. (laughs) I think that's a great answer. Tell me about a challenge that you had. This is, for me, this is the most annoying question. Tell me about a challenge you had and how you solved it. Sure. So, well, when I started writing for New York Magazine, I I submitted something that they didn't like. And they told me they didn't like it, and they sort of told me why. And I didn't take no for an answer. I went back to the editor, and I said, I know I can do this. My first report was bad, but I know I can do better. And I went out and I did better. And I think that it's just important to realize that um, you will make mistakes. Not everything you do is going to be perfect and great, but you can't give up. And if there's a place you really want to work, you have to go to them again and again and again. And eventually, if you're not annoying about it, which is, you know, there's a line. If you're not annoying about it, they will notice. I'd hire you. From that answer, I would hire you. Also, a trend now is that all of these companies are asking these really, like, tricky interesting questions in interviews so you know hear about it from some of the big companies like google and apple so we've also been bringing questions just of what companies are asking i mean this one's from urban outfitters like this is an actual interview question what would the name of your debut album be first of all let me say i didn't know that companies were asking these questions i don't ask any like (laughs) superfluous questions when i interview people i have lists of them that's crazy it's like um i don't the first thing that comes to mind is basin ledge which is the street that i grew up i love that well you because you know how like everything beyonce does i'm a big beyonce fan who isn't but like everything beyonce does is from her childhood yeah i like that basin ledge (laughs) I think that does just sound like the name of an indie album also. just Oh, I don't want to be indie. I want to be like the next Britney. <laughs> if I'm going to do an album, it's going to be a pop album. Your pop album. Have you started working on it? No. <laughs> okay. We've reached the lightning round. And basically what we're going to do now is I'm just going to ask you a couple quick questions. And you'll just tell me the short answer. First thing that comes to your head. And the first one is the best job you've ever had. The best job I've ever had is editing cosmopolitan.com okay what's the best career advice you've ever gotten if you are afraid that means you're doing your job I love that that's so good are you scared all the time I think that I make myself and other people uncomfortable which means that you're doing something different and new which is good that's great you make me very comfortable I find it (laughs) good that's a good thing you're not my boss (laughs) So what's your most memorable office moment? It could be this job. It could be any job, positive, negative, silly. Like, what's the thing just really stands out to you? Sure. So at Cosmopolitan.com, we have the pleasure of doing a lot of videos and photo shoots with hunky men. Love it. And so there will just be days when we have, you know, these hunky male models running around with their shirts off. <laughs> in the office. And early in the early days where we had our own office, we were in the tower, which has glass conference rooms, the Hearst Tower. 
And we had the guys in, and we were working in a studio, but they had to get ready in, in the conference room. And since they're models, I think they're probably used to just changing in front of other people. So I remember I like went around the corner, like got a drink, and then I, I walk back around the corner, and, and I see that one of the male models is just standing in this glass-walled conference room that you can just see from any any vantage point, basically, on the floor, in his underwear, just standing there. <laughs> At least he had his just, underwear like, on. And I walked back to my desk, and I was like, this is happening. And, and he's just, like, waved at me, because, like, we know them. We need the same guys over again. They're, you know, they're our friends. It's like, what is my job? Do you yeah. think that? Like, Yeah, why? to have, like, you know, topless men in the office periodically not bad it's not it's not bad things can be worse so we always want to give our guests the opportunity to talk about something exciting that's happening at your job or your company right now that you want to share so we recently participated in the new friends which is when digital media companies present the big shows that they're going to do because obviously video is everything right now one of the partnerships that we got to announce for cosmo was with channing tatum who is turning Magic Mike into a Las Vegas review, but instead of it being sort of a disgusting, creepy Chippendales or a Thunder from Down Under-esque, like, nasty thing where, like, you go and you feel like this is cheesy and gross and, like, I don't want these guys to touch me. Like, doing one that's actually sexy and actually appeals to women and is fun and cool and that you want to go to with your friends and, like, the bachelorette party that you would want to have. So we are partnering with them, and we are going to do a lot of coverage of the show and work with their hot dancers who are going to be in the show who are insanely talented, and we're going to be kicking that off, I think, probably end of this year, next year, maybe. Awesome. So, yeah. How many so times look out for, that show? Look out for Channing Tatum and, and more, like, hot Magic Mike dancers on Cosmo.com. Um, have you spent a lot of time with, Chan- with Channing Tatum? We have spent some time with Channing Tatum in sort of putting some of our ideas together, and he's lovely, and he really, he's just like a a nice guy, but he also really, really cares about what women want and what women desire, and wants to create a show that feels like something you you would come up with yourself, basically. And, you know, he said to us, like, how can we get your readers to tell us what they want to see, because I want them to feel like this is their show. That's great. That's so fun. I know. Okay, do you want, before we wrap up, do you want anything, any career advice you want to share? Anything you want to share? Or don't, you don't have to go crazy or um, dig into your deepest thoughts, but. I would say, you know, details really, really matter. And I think a mistake that I see a lot of young people make is, you know, you're interning somewhere and someone says, can you do a transcript? And they file a transcript that has a ton of mistakes in it. It's just like, don't do that stuff because it stands out and it makes you look bad and it makes people not want to ask you to do things. And if people don't want to ask you to do things, you are not setting yourself up for success mm-hmm. because you're not going to get good assignments. You're going to be running errands for photo shoots versus transcribing, which is really a much better task that you're, you might learn more from. Yeah, so just be be conscientious. Pay attention to detail. Think, if someone were doing this for me, what would I, what would I want to get back? And that's what you have to deliver when you're an intern. And I actually thought of one more question I want to ask you. You have a large social media presence, not just Cosmopolitan, but your personal brand. Mm -hmm. Do you create strategy around your personal brand, or is it really just say what you think, put it out there? What's kind of your approach to it? You know, I think that every everyone finds that certain things work for them and certain things don't work for them. Twitter, for me, I just started doing 
just saying things I thought were funny and that worked for me really well. I was able to build up a following there. I think a Twitter following is less important now than it was maybe four years ago. Twitter is not as powerful as it once was, let's say. Instagram, I'm new to. I've only been doing it for about a year. But I don't know. I'm still kind of playing around with that. Mm -hmm. I just like, generally, I like things that are funny. So I just kind of try to share things that are funny. You know, it sounds stupid to say, but it's like, find your voice. You know, like, what what is your thing? Like, for me, it's like, I just like things that are funny. Mm -hmm. And I'm known for fashion. So whenever I can talk about fashion, that, you know, tends to resonate. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Amy O'Dell, A-M-Y-O-D-E-L-L. On Instagram, I'm Instamy O'Dell. Get it? I-N-S-T-A-M-Y-O-D-E-L-L. And on Facebook.com slash Amy O'Dell Books. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it. So this is episode number two. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow New York Women in Communications at NYWiki, N-Y-W-I-C-I, for more information about this podcast and future episodes. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much. This has been Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. Kylie Harris is our producer. Aaron Mathewson is the sound editor. Alex Fetter wrote the theme. And Rachel Bowie manages marketing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>